Hi, friends, and welcome back to Health Simple Radio. This is episode number 41 with Dr. Aaron Horshig. He is a physical therapist and the founder of a massive social media channel called Squat University. If you don't follow them yet on Instagram, Facebook, or wherever else, YouTube, I'd highly recommend checking it out. Uh, you know, squatting is one of the most fundamental human movements that there are. It's a movement we learn before we even learn how to walk, yet we typically forget how to do it by the time we even get into high school. The squat is not just a movement to build muscle or to lose weight, although just to clarify, it is the best movement for those, but it's also a foundational movement to prevent injury and stay mobile with age. In this episode, Aaron is going to teach how exactly to squat properly, what sort of assessments and stretches and, and other exercises you can do to make sure that you can get into a squat properly. If you're listening to this and you think, you know, I'm too old to squat or there's just no way that I can do it, you can. You just need to do it daily. You just need to do it often and you need to do it the right way. So listen to this episode and put into practice what Aaron says and I promise you that it will help you get a much better squat and it will get rid of your back pain, your knee pain and most other pain that you might have. Now, before we get into this episode, if you're someone who's very serious about performance uh, and training in the gym or just about sleep and recovery and, and just overall health, then I'd highly recommend looking into the Aura Ring. I've just gotten my ring a couple weeks ago now, and I'll tell you right now, this is the best device out there uh, for training and for tracking sleep. It's basically just a ring that you put on your finger and you wear it all the time and it tracks your HRV, your heart rate, your stages of sleep, your body temperature and, and so many other metrics. And essentially what it does is it combines all of these metrics to tell you how well you recovered overnight. This gives you some really good information to how well or how intense, sorry, you should train the next day. So if you've recovered well, then you can withstand some high intensity uh, exercise, you can do some heavy squats and some heavy lifting. If you know you didn't recover too well because you didn't sleep well or something happened, then it will let you know. And maybe you should just take it back a little bit, do some low intensity stuff, some light yoga or just some body weight movements. I'll tell you right now, this ring is is an amazing device to help with managing stress and to help with losing weight or improving your athletic performance. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's something that I am excited to to use and, and see my stats every single day. Uh, so if you're interested, you can get $50 off if you use the code HEALTHSIMPLE50. Just uh, look at the, the link in the show notes. It's orring.com. Uh, but if you use Health Simple 50, you'll get $50 off your Aura Ring. There's a bunch of different colors and a couple designs, um, but it's a it's a really nice ring, and I highly recommend it. Anyway, uh, enjoy this episode of Health Simple Radio. All right, everyone, welcome to episode number 41 of Health Simple Radio. I'm joined with Dr. Aaron Horshig, who is the founder of Squat University. Uh, a, it was a Facebook page, I think, at the time, but I started following it years and years ago, uh, and it's helped me a lot with my squat. Uh, so super excited to have you on because I've, I've literally been following your videos for so long, Aaron. So uh, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you so much for having me on. No worries. So why the, why the interest in squatting? What, what got you so pumped up about this movement? 
Great question. I mean, so first and foremost, I have a history in strength and conditioning. When I came up through college, um, I was on the Olympic weightlifting team. I got, you know, my undergraduate degree in exercise science. So I really enjoyed the training, the strength uh, aspect of being an athlete. And then when I got into physical therapy and started working with patients, I continue to have these almost deja vu like instances where during an evaluation of an athlete, time and time again, I was finding these connections, no matter what type of an athlete you were, whether you were a baseball player, a football player, a weightlifter, um, you know, no matter what type of injury I was seeing you for, hip pain, ankle pain, knee pain, there was these common connections, just like a deja vu like moment where time and time again, I was seeing athletes who were having issues that were all connected to the inability to perform a proper squat. Now, during the investigation or evaluation of any type of injury, I ask you to go through a number of different movements, we do tests, we measure things. Our goal is to find out why did you get your injury so that we can fix the weak links and send you on your way back to full health eventually. Well, in doing that, I often ask people, show me a squat, basic bodyweight squat, take your shoes off. In time and time again, I would see athletes who by all, you know, um, ideas out there and by all qualifications are great, amazing athletes. They're very strong. They're very powerful. If you threw them under a squat rack, I'm sure they could lift tremendous weight, mm -hmm. but they could not perform a basic full depth body weight squat with everything looking in line. Uh, you know, feet not collapsing, knees not collapsing, back not rounding over. And then I would also ask them, perform it on one leg. And most of the time people look at you extremely weird. They're like one leg, like a pistol squat. Like I see those CrossFitters do on TV. I'm like, yeah, you know, try to do a pistol squat. And in all my years of being a physical therapist, I've seen one athlete who had something wrong with them, some type of ache and pain that could do a full pistol squat, wow. make it look good, good coordination. So what it was showing me was that while there's so many factors in why we develop injuries, one of the cornerstones to that, I think, is the inability to properly move well. And I think the squat was one of those fundamental building blocks that a lot of times we have missed as human beings, not even athletes as a whole. You know, I think when we look at the squat nowadays, we view it as an exercise. If you look up squat on Google, you'll see thousands and thousands of articles and websites dedicated to how to move weight correctly. The squat is an exercise. You will not find many at first that are, here's how you perform a bodyweight squat. Mm -hmm. But in reality, in the way in which we use the squat as a growth and development movement, you know, you, you crawl, you learn to stand by squatting, you know, you squat down to pick something up as a toddler and then you move to walk and run. The squat is a fundamental building block to how we move and explore the world. And as we age, we often forget how to perform the squat. You see someone that's 13 years old nowadays, and they don't know how to squat. They've never been told because they've forgotten that, you know, how to move like that. You know, they may look to the weight room and then they only see people performing the squat as a weighted exercise. And mm -hmm. I think when we have rearranged our uh, priorities to such an extent that where we only view the squat as an exercise and how much weight we can move and how much I can perform, and you forget about it as a movement first, you capsize yourself as an athlete, as a human being, because all of a sudden you are trying to build performance on top of a rocky foundation. You know, the whole homage of how 
tall can a pyramid be? Well, it can only be as tall as it is wide because it has a wide foundation. It creates stability for the structure to then build up. Well, as athletes today, or just as people who are health-minded in general, we're looking to perform. We're looking to you know, increase more weight on our bench press or whatever lift we're doing. We're looking to increase the performance and the skill at which we can do. But if we don't have the fundamentals down first, we have a weak link in a crack in our foundation as a human. And I think one of the basic foundational cracks that most people have is movement quality. You can't move well first. But when you look at you know, programs that people try to sell you, it's how do I put more weight on my squat in 10 weeks? Or how do I decrease body fat? You know, we're, looking at, we're looking at all these other things first where we're not addressing the fundamentals first. And when you do that to such an extent, bad things happen. You capsize your potential of what's out there, of what you could possibly do. And you mm -hmm. also invite injury into the picture eventually. So my whole thing with Squat University was quite simple. And it was, I need you to move well first. We need to learn how to excel at the fundamentals and then let's work on squatting more weight. Let me show you what's potentially out there as an athlete, especially when I talk to strength athletes, weightlifters, powerlifters, crossfitters. But let's do so first by fixing the fundamentals and then let's lift some big weight. Mm -hmm. And I like that you always say that it's, it's a human movement, you know, first it's a foundational movement because, you know, squatting is something that really every human should be able to do body weight wise. We should be able to get down ass to grass in perfect form because we all could do it at one point in our lives. If you watch a baby squat and I, I love, I love using this analogy, but you watch a baby squat, it's absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. And then once we start sitting, once we start working in an office, going to school, we just, we lose that ability. And you know, the application of squatting is not just as an athlete, but like you said, as a human, because whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to prevent injury into old age, whether you want to build muscle, squatting is by far the most important movement that you're going to do for any of that kind of stuff. So learning to squat, you know, correctly is just, it's just so important. It's something that everyone needs to be able to learn how to do. I tell all my, uh, my followers, all my patients, if you don't want total knees when you're 60, if you don't want an achy back when you're 70, if you want to be able to walk and play with your grandkids, learn how to perform a basic bodyweight squat and never lose that ability. Yeah. The one commonality between all my patients who are over the age of 50 that have issues is the inability to use their body as it was designed. I have rarely seen someone who is over the age of 50 that can perform a deep bodyweight squat and control it all the way down. They have mm -hmm. lost the ability to use their body. They don't own their movement capabilities. And therefore, eventually, the body starts to break down. Now, whether that's an overload of certain areas because you're putting more force on it or there's not enough stress on certain areas, there's so many other factors that lead to the eventual injury. But I think the foundational premise behind so many injuries is we have misused the body that we've been given. And yeah. I think a lot of it starts with just do you have the movement capability to perform what you could when you were 20? The thing I hate hearing so often is, well, I'm not 20 years old anymore. Mm. I understand that there's obviously, there's obvious performance decreases as you get older. I don't expect someone that's 50 to outsquat that same person's PR when they were 20. But we should be able to perform basic body weight movements for the rest of our life. And I think when you strengthen that and hold on to that ability, it leaves so many more options available to you that right now we don't see in our aging population. 
Mm-hmm. Too often we, I think, allow ourselves to think that it is normal to stop training hard as yeah. we age. We're not an athlete anymore when I'm 60. Well, that's, that's for the younger kids. No, it's not. And it shouldn't be. I mean, I think many people who are, if you're listening to this podcast over the age of 40, 50, you may remember the name Jack Lane. You know, he was almost the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the day before Arnold, when we're talking about physical fitness, you know, a long time ago when TVs were for, I mean, black and white TV, he was the the first person to bring physical fitness and, and functional training to, you know, America and, uh, and the rest of the world. And he died at like 97 years old, not because he was stuck in a nursing home and couldn't walk and needed a walker. But I think it was, he didn't take an antibiotic and ended up dying of pneumonia. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think in his later nineties, he swam the, uh, one of the, ch- uh, channels out in like San Diego, pulling boats behind him. You know, it's like, it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. what, what is possible when you use your body how it was meant to be trained. Yeah. Well, and we often think that, you know, as we age, it's just normal to all of a sudden you need a cane or you can't move. And it's like, no, this isn't a normal thing at all. It's just, you don't go into those movements anymore. So that's why you can't do them, right? If you just kept exactly. up with it and kept up mobility, well, you'd still be able to do it. You wouldn't have back pain. You wouldn't have all these issues. And it's crazy. I saw, uh, it was on the news and it was like the top, I think it was top five exercises that you shouldn't do if you're over the age of 60 and it was like squat deadlift push-up and I think it was row maybe and I was like that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life those are all the ones that you should be doing exactly Uh, but for the purpose of this episode I really want to uh help the listeners and myself uh be able to to learn how to squat properly and be confident in the way that they're squatting there's so much I mean, if you Google how to squat, there's so many videos out there that are so bad, that are just completely wrong. Um, and so I'm excited to, to kind of be able to teach the proper ways to actually squat and get rid of all that crap that's out there. So let's just start. Will everyone's squat look the same or is there going to be differences between the type of person? Great question. No one's squat is going to look the exact same as everyone else's. Everyone has a certain type of uh, anatomy. If you go to the gym and look around, you will see people that are six foot five. You'll see people that are four foot five. You'll see people that have extremely long femurs. You'll see people that have extremely short femurs and a very long torso. All of those different things are going to play into a part into how you squat. Now, there are a couple golden rules, I guess we'll say. The first thing is we need to stay balanced. If you view a barbell squat from the side and you watch the way the bar tracks, the absolute is that we want the barbell to track vertically over the middle of your foot. That means that your body's in balance and capable of producing efficient force and power. So no matter what type of body me- uh, mechanics you use to get there as far as or your, uh, your body dimensions, you need to stay balanced. Now, what that means is that some people will naturally have a more inclined trunk position than others. Someone that has a really short torso and long femurs, relatively, will have a much more inclined chest in order to stay balanced. Mm-hmm. That same person or you know, that person's best friend that has shorter femurs and a longer torso is going to have to be more upright in their squat position in order to remain balanced to keep the barbell over the middle of the foot when viewed from the side. So that's the first prerequisite is we have to stay balanced. Yep. 
other things then come into play. We've got anatomy at the hips. You know, are you built with textbook anatomy in which the femur aligns with the hip socket at a small angle forward? You know, for those people, you know, having their toes maybe five to seven degrees toed out is normal for, you know, textbook anatomy. Not everyone's built like that, though. There's some people that have what we would call retroversion of the hips, meaning that the hips align to the socket at a more flat angle, so more directly lateral. Those people are naturally going to turn their toes out more to the side when they squat in order to allow for natural, normal hip mechanics for their body. Those are people that usually would walk around with sort of like duck feet, I guess we'll say, toes out to the yeah. side. Now, just because you do walk like that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> it's anatomy that's an issue. You may just have crappy mobility and I've never been shown how to walk correctly. Um, you know, you could have moral antiversion, meaning that your femurs align at a more angle forward. You know, for you, a straightforward foot squat may be perfect for you. So, you know, toe out angle is, is very individualized to the person. Uh, that's why finding like a good skilled coach that can help with the screening process, sort of figure out where do you set your toes to, to be the most advantageous for getting those great positions. Uh, stance width may be a little bit different. You know, depending on your goals, uh, you may be a little bit more narrow. You may be much wider if you're really into like powerlifting or something like that, uh, you know, to find a, a very strong squat. Um, you know, there's a number of different factors that will require your squat to look a little bit different than the others. Yeah. But regardless, we need to stay balanced. We, we need <laughs> to make sure that our full foot's in contact with the floor the entire time. We're not all the way back on the heels, regardless of what people say. Heels, heels, heels. If your heels are popping up, sure, jam your heels down. But your body weight should not be entirely in your heels. You know, uh, we, we need to keep our knees in line with our feet. We need our back to stay in a neutral position as much as possible the entire lift. Whether you have an inclined trunk or you're very vertical, you know, some people will show like uh, certain Chinese lifters that have anatomy that allows them to be very vertical in their front squat. Um, you know, those are going to uh, all be differences, individual differences in squat technique, but they still have the prerequisites of being balanced, knees in line, uh, you know, maintaining a neutral trunk position explain that further by knees in line what does that mean exactly so if you look uh at the person from the front side your knees should track directly in line with your usually like your lateral foot mm -hmm. if your knees tracking over the inside of your big toe that means that you're allowing your thigh to sort of cave in so one of the first things I tell people is whenever you take your squat stance uh you want to drive your knees out to the side just a little bit not so much that your foot rolls on its side because then you're unstable. You've lost the connection with the ground because your big toe popped off. But you want to do so to align your knees with your lateral part of your foot, and that will automatically turn on your hips. Uh, glute medius, for example, is a very important muscle on your lateral hips that creates stability. Um, and it will align the body, proper mechanics to allow the machine, I guess you would say, of your body to move in good alignment. Mm -hmm. And that's one where I have a lot of clients that say I have flat feet and I say, no, no, you don't have flat feet. Just stand with your feet parallel and turn your knees out or like screw your feet into the ground, but don't actually mm -hmm. turn them or move them. And mm -hmm. boom, all of a sudden you have arches, your knees are in the right spot and now you're ready to squat. So you don't necessarily have flat feet. You probably don't have flat feet. Actually, you just got to you just got to create that torque in your hip. You just got to turn your hip on and boom, all of a sudden everything lines up and you got arches all of a sudden. Exactly. Uh, 
let's talk about knees going forward. This is, this is probably the biggest controversy or just, you know, thing that's going on in the squats, knees forward, uh, over the toes, not what, what, uh, what do you recommend? So the first thing I have people do that come to me with knee pain and we're relearning the squat. Most days I will start someone squatting the first day because it's a necessary movement that you're doing throughout your day. Think about how often you get up and out of the chair a lot. So that's a squatting motion. So I'll have people take their squat stance and I'll say, all right, from here, I want you to jam your knees forward at the very start of the squat. Try to keep your heels down. So don't completely, you know, go off balance, but try to shove your knees forward at the very start of the squat. What do you feel? Every single person that has knee pain automatically has an increase in knee pain because it's forcing or it's placing more force, more load on the knee when you drive your knees forward at the very start of the squat, regardless if you're balanced or not. Um, so what that's shown us is that, you know, we need to think about what joint's moving first. When I teach someone to squat, I tell them to hinge at the hips to start. So they drive the hips back, they bring their chest forward. Now their knees are bending. The knees don't just stay, you know, completely extended. When you drive your hips back and you bring your chest forward, your knees are going to bend. They're just not going to jam forward at the very, very start of the squat. So that's one of the most important things is whenever you're squatting, the very first motion should be from the hips in a hinging motion. And then from there, you just squat down and stay balanced. The knees will go where they should. For most people, the knees will track forward and maybe even a little past your toes at the very bottom of the squat, and that's completely fine. And a lot of people, in doing so, if you try to stop your knees from going forward, you will actually push yourself off balance. So you will make your squat worse if you purposely think about not letting your toes pass your uh, knees past your toes. All you have to do is start your squat by hinging at the hips a little bit and then squat straight down and remain in balance. Remember with the barbell squat, viewing it from the side is the barbell remaining over your midfoot. If you do those, those prerequisites, start at the hips, stay balanced, squat straight down and keep, you know, that barbell over there, the knees will go where they should. And depending on your anatomy and your level of mobility, the type of squat you're doing, front squat versus back squat, your knees may pass your toes, but that's okay because you got there in the right position. Mm -hmm. Likely, the person that came up with that cue, don't let your knees pass your toes. It was probably someone with really good intentions. They're probably working with injured athletes like myself. They have someone with knee pain. They squat and they let their knees go forward. All they, all they have to do is say, don't let your knees go forward. All of a sudden, they have no pain. Aha, we fixed it, right? No, <laughs> yeah. you just put a bandaid on it. All you did was teach that person how to squat with a very hip dominant manner, but you yeah. didn't fix the issue. The issue stemmed from, you know, all the other problems that led to that knee pain by modifying the movement pattern. You just took out a little bit of the, or you changed their technique just a little bit to where they moved with their hips a little bit. If they mm -hmm. want to squat all the way down, most people will have to eventually come forward or even pass the toes. It's okay to get down there and let the knees go forward. The body can handle it. You just have to get there with the right sequence of events. Yeah, makes sense. Now, for a lot of people, uh, you know, they, we can't even get down into the bottom of a squat, whether it's allowing the knees to go forward or not. Uh, it's just not possible without, I guess, falling over or you're just too restricted to even get that low. Um, and I don't know how we can do this over, over a podcast without actually just showing it, but can you give sort of some practical uh, I guess, assessments to sort of, you know, do some tests to see what areas you may have that are restricted or that you may need to work on to actually allow yourself to get deep into a squat? 
So the most simple is an ankle screen and everyone can do this. Now I call it the five inch wall test. It's, you know, it's basically a very simple screen. Find a wall, put your toes five inches from the wall. If you don't have a ruler, it's a fist plus an extended thumb is a roughly five inches from there. Keep your heel down and then drive your knee over your toes to see if you can touch your knee to the wall. If you cannot, that is showing you that you are missing ankle mobility. Now, this is a very gross screen, meaning it's very, you know, there's obviously going to be small individual differences. If someone has a really, really small foot, huge, you know, thighs and in very long tibias, they may be able to reach at four and a half or five and a half. You know, it's, it's very different, but it's able to catch big problems in ankle mobility. If you are unable to touch or even come close to the wall at that distance of five inches from the wall, it means that you are having limited ankle mobility. Ankle mobility allows your hips to descend to the greatest depth while still maintaining an upright chest and remaining in balance. So as you squat down, you need ankle mobility to allow your knee to translate forward over your toes to allow your hips to descend. So if you can't get into a full depth squat and sit your butt on your heels, likely ankle mobility is one of the most important factors that is limited. Okay. Big thing to understand then, when you try that test, if you are not able to reach the wall, is what is limiting that movement? Is it a restriction, a pinch or block sensation in the front side of the ankle? Or, and or, is it a tightness feeling in the Achilles in the back, your heel cord? Both of those are going to require different mechanisms of or different types of fixes in order to get over. So for example, if you have a pinch or block sensation in the front side of the ankle, that requires banded joint mobilizations. Your ankle bones are not moving correctly in order to allow for more knee translation over the toes. You need to do banded joint mobilizations in order to improve the way the tailless bone is gliding and sliding on the tibia. If you have stiffness in the back of the calf, you have to do things like foam roll, and stretching in order to fix that. If you have that you know, uh, pinch or block sensation in the front side of the ankle, and you just try to stretch and foam roll, you will not fix it because you're addressing the wrong uh, weak link and why you have limited ankle mobility. So I'll, I'll, first of all, for the listeners, I'll throw the, because uh, you have some videos on this on how to do those. Um, yes. I'll throw that in the show notes so that you can get a link to check it out because this was actually one of the biggest things for me for my squat is I don't have good ankle mobility and I had just been reefing on it, trying to just stretch it and nothing, it wasn't going anywhere. I'm like, what is going on? Maybe I just don't have the mobility at all. And I just, I can't get it genetically or something. I don't know. And, uh, anyway, I, I saw this and I did the, uh, the banded mobilization and it makes a huge difference. All of a sudden I can pop into a squat. Um, now I, I can't do it as soon as I wake up in the morning. I always have to use that band. Um, but it did help me get into a decent, uh, or pretty good squat anyway. So Definitely try that out. Now, what if, it, if it's not the ankles? If your ankles are good, um, then what are we looking at? I mean, I'm, I'm next going to look at hip width as far as your stance. Um, okay. I rarely find that hip mobility is a huge limiter in depth. It can be for some people, um, but often it's going to be more so your width that you're standing. So if you have uh, a very, very wide stance, narrow it up a little bit. And sometimes okay. that alone, the change in stance width will allow you to squat all the way down and still remain in balance. Hmm. Now, so would it be, if it's not hip mobility, let's say you have mobility and it actually, first of all, is there a way to assess 
um, your hip mobility that would be useful for a squat? Yeah. So the test that I show a lot of times, technically it's a test that is for flexibility and uh, length of your hip flexors. It's called the Thomas test. But in part of the Thomas test, you pull one knee all the way to your chest. So I sort of use it clinically to sort of look at both. Ideally, you should be able to bring your thigh fairly close to your chest. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you can't, that's showing us that we may have some hip joint restrictions or different things going on mobility-wise, bringing your thigh into hip flexion. So bringing your thigh closer to your chest. Um, so usually those are, the Thomas test is one of the best for just looking at straight hip flexion in the plane okay. that you would be squatting in. If you have great ankle mobility, if you have great hip mobility, usually the only other reason that you could not get a full depth squat is your coordination. Your balance is off. You're unable to you know, remain in balance and keep your body center of gravity over your midfoot as you squat down. So sometimes it just takes time of learning how to perform a squat and how to get down there. A lot of times people will have their weight all the way back on their heels or as they squat down, they're all the way forward on their toes. So I teach people the tripod foot, having your foot, uh, your body weight spread evenly across three points of your foot, like a tripod, the base of your heel, the base of your first toe, the base of your fifth toe. And as you squat down, that body weight should be evenly spread and remain even over those three points. A lot of people, as they squat down, they automatically shift back onto their heels. And they try to keep their chest up too much, if, especially if they're doing a body weight squat. Here's a big pet peeve of mine. People <laughs> that will use things called squat therapy to teach a body weight squat. So what they'll do is they will put someone in front of a wall, their toes almost touching the wall, hands up high, and they'll say squat down as deep as you can. And they're like, this will teach you how to have a great looking body weight squat. Like, no, it won't. It's, it's sort of a circus trick for some people that have amazing anatomy that allows them to squat really deep and still have a very upright chest, but yeah. their knees don't have to pass their toes. Because if you're that close to a wall, for most people, if you need to have a really deep squat, your knees have to go over your toes. And then depending on your anatomy, where's your center of gravity? For most people, it's right around the middle of their stomach. An inclined chest position is very normal for a body weight squat. More so than a back squat, more so than a, a front squat. Both of those are, are top-loaded exercises. So in order to remain in balance for a bodyweight squat, it's okay to lean forward. I just don't want you to have a rounded back like it looks like you've got a turtle shell on your back, but you should be inclined. So that's another thing. A lot of people, they'll feel off balance. They'll feel like they're going to fall backwards. I'm like, lean forward more. Push your butt back, lean forward more, then squat down. Once you're in balance, just keep that balance and squat down. Your trunk angle should remain about the same until you get to the very bottom. You may tip back just a little bit. Interesting. So you're okay with that sort of incline um, with your torso on the incline, even if it's quite big. Cause I mean, especially for me when I squat now I'm pretty tall. So I just figured that was why I had to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But I have to go quite a, quite a bit of incline. So I do a bit of a hip hinge and I actually stopped doing that in the beginning was I tried no hinge and it was not working. And then I started to hinge a bit and it worked a lot better, but I was on a bit of an incline. So, so it, it depends then on the person's individual level of ankle mobility, because yeah. if that person has great ankle mobility, no matter how tall they are, then it allows them to have a more upright chest because the knees are going forward. The hips can sink deeper. Their chest can remain more upright again to keep their body in balance. So mm -hmm. if you take two people, two seven foot basketball players, they both have extremely long femurs and a shorter torso or yeah, in a shorter torso relative, they're yep. both naturally, we're going to say, going to be fairly inclined 
in order to remain balanced. Their torso will have to lean forward. But if one person has great ankle mobility and the other person has poor ankle mobility, they're both, again, at the very bottom, going to have very different torso positions because the mm. person with very great ankle mobility, even though they have very long femurs, which naturally would make their torso more inclined, is going to be more upright compared to the person with poor ankle mobility because as they squat down, the person with poor ankle mobility will not allow their knees to translate further forward over their toes. So unless they want to fall back on their butt, their chest has to remain forward. So if you're mm. sitting out there and you're like, oh, well, I can't get down there without my chest falling backwards, or I, ha I have to be inclined, look at your ankles. Most of the time, that is the weak link. Now, if, so if you're, you know, you look at your ankles and you notice, you know, you've got to do some work on them. So you're doing the banded stuff um, and you're doing some stretching and that. Are there other exercises then that are good to sort of help you with um, stability or sort of strengthening so you can kind of stay uh, like once you get that mobility, you can continue to have that mobility or is it just continuing day in, day out, you know, keep working on your mobility, keep you know, using that band um, or is there something else that you can do to sort of help with it? The big thing I tell everyone is once you get your mobility, you then have to use the new mobility. So if you're going to do 15 minutes of mobility every day, directly after sit down in a deep squat, work at maybe at 15 seconds is going to be pretty killer at start, but do five sets of 15 seconds and then work to 30 seconds. But eventually try to work up and do this throughout your day to where you sit in a deep bodyweight squat for a full minute. And you can naturally do that throughout your day. Now, obviously at certain parts of the day, like you said, first thing in the morning, it's gonna take a little bit of time your body's a little stiff what you did the day before. You may need to warm it up a little bit. But you should get to the point where you can naturally sit down into a deep squat and express that full mobility. Because flexibility and mobility work without movement through that new motion directly after is a waste of everyone's time. Mm -hmm. sure you improved your ankle mobility but why and what did you do afterwards you know what i'm saying so yeah. as soon as you do your ankle mobility work use the new mobility that you just did to lock it in and keep it around the more you do that the more you sit in a deep body weight squat the more you use your new motion eventually the body adapts eventually you know you see people that at first had really really stiff ankles and eventually they have very mobile ankles. Now, depending on your genetics and how long you've had the acquired stiffness, it may take a little bit of time, but through hard work and uh, consistency to mobility work and then using the new mobility, a lot of people can make amazing changes, but it mm -hmm. has to have sort of both sides. Yeah. What do you think of so Kelly start is, is he loves the squat as well, of course. And his big thing is, I think it's 10 minutes of sitting in a bodyweight squat a day. Uh, can you do that? First of all, I'm sure you can. And is this something <laughs> that you, you try to get? Uh, I, I think the big thing that Kelly uh, is misquoted on a lot is he's talking to, he's not talking about 10 minutes sitting all at one time. I think a lot of times he's like, let's try to accumulate 10 minutes throughout the day. I mean, I think I've usually I'll get bored if I'm sitting down for two hours. I think, you know, at most, I, I think on most days I'll sit down, you know, maybe two minutes, two and a half. And then eventually I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> you know, eventually I get bored. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, at first it was tough. You know, at first I remember watching Kelly, that's his very first mobility wad video on YouTube back in 2010 or whenever it started. Yeah. You know, it was the 10 minute squat test. And it was, can you accumulate 10 minutes in the bottom of the deep squat throughout the day? And mm -hmm. for a lot of people, that's a killer. They don't realize how short of time they spend in the bottom of a deep bodyweight squat. You think that you squat a lot, get out the stopwatch, 
and record yourself and find out how long you actually do sit in the bottom of a deep body squat using your full mobility. If you are not warming up like that and sitting in a deep squat for a little bit, you're barely touching the surface of what's out there because you're only in the bottom of that squat for a fraction of a second during your actual exercise. Again, are we looking at it from an exercise first perspective or a movement first perspective? Because if you move well first and you use your move full movement capabilities throughout your day, you should be okay. But when the time you get to an exercise like the squat, the only time you get into, if the only time you ever get into a deep squat is during the few reps that you're doing, doing your exercise, you're really hurting yourself in the long run. Yeah. Makes, makes sense. Did, did you have progressions of exercise that you might get a client to do before they're going to do a squat? You get into goblet squat or maybe a front squat before they're putting the bar on their back. I mean, Oh, um, definitely. I mean, I think it always starts body weight first. Yep. From there, depending on the person I'm getting, uh, goblet squats are easy because they're not a lot of weight. You know, you yeah. can get a kettlebell that's five pounds. You can get a kettlebell that's 10, 15, 20, all the way up, you know? So starting someone at a very small weight, can be great sometimes to add a little bit of load and then as we go up then we can progress to the barbell which most gyms aren't going to have a barbell under 45 pounds or 20 kilos you know depending yeah. on the type of gym you're in so um from there you know whether or not you have to start front squat or back squat i really think put the barbell on your back you know or put the barbell on your chest you're doing a barbell squat i don't think there's a right or wrong i think some people are like what's body weight then kettlebell then front squat then back squat then overhead squat you know, find the one that works well with you once you're at the barbell. Again, working on technique. Technique comes first. Get the barbell, add weight as you can maintain technique. Is that, I don't know if it's your shirt that you made, but it's shut up and squat. You've seen those t-shirts. <laughs> I, I've seen those. Yeah. I, I should have, I should have come out with a shirt like that. You should have. <laughs> okay. Let's talk again about, uh, about the feet, um, and, and kind of the angle that they're supposed to be on. One of the things that I've seen in your videos is you talk a bit about, you should be able to squat body weight, uh, like with no weight on your back, uh, with your feet straight, but then you may actually be able to get some more power if you then turn them out a little bit when you put some weight on your back. Can you sort of discuss that and, and why that, how that works? Yeah. So the first thing I use the, uh, the idea or the, the term straightforward as a relative term. Yeah. If you look at an anatomy book, your ankle naturally attaches, attaches, uh, connects with your lower leg at about a five to seven degree angle. So when we say straightforward, I don't mean zero, a hundred percent straightforward. So naturally mm -hmm. when you stand five to seven degrees is a very small amount of toe out. Now I use that idea that we should all, or most of us be able to perform a body weight squat with that foot position, because in order to squat all the way down with that foot position, you have to have great ankle mobility. You have to have good foot uh, stability. You have to have great hip mobility. You have to have good pelvic and lumbo-pelvic control, lumbar spine, pelvic control, good balance. A lot of people will naturally turn their toes out because they're lacking one of those things. Because turning the toes out makes it easy to get all the way down there. If you don't have a great ankle mobility, you can squat all the way down with the toes turned out. If you don't have good pelvic control, you can squat all the way down without, you know, with turning your toes out a little bit. It allows you to sort of work around your weak links. So when I ask someone to squat with their toes straight forward body weight, it's because I want to expose and then work on those prerequisites, the foundational movement of the squat. When it comes time to lift the barbell, there's two things. First, I think turning the toes out slightly, and this is again, 12, 15 degrees, not 30 to 40. 
for most people. Again, that comes with the caveat that you don't have that femoral retroversion or acetabular retroversion. You're one of the the few that are, I'm not talking to those who are in the, uh, the group that has a difference, a different type of anatomy. So we're talking about most people that in, you know, the large proportion of people, the large, larger population, you should be able to do this. Turning the toes out slightly will allow you to not butt up against whatever current weak links you have in mobility and stability. So it allows you to basically perform to your best because what I want you to do is work on what you can work on before your workout throughout the rest of your day. But when it comes time to pick up a barbell, I want you to perform to your greatest potential. And if you have, you know, fair ankle mobility, I don't want to say toe straight forward on the squat because you're not going to have great technique. You're going to eventually butt up against that mobility restriction. It's going to cause you to have technique problems and performance issues because you're not moving very comfortably. So Mm -hmm. when I say toes out a little bit, when I squat, again, it's not a lot out, it's a little bit out, but it's going to allow you to feel more comfortable and not butt up against restrictions. Now, if you don't have any restrictions, you feel great squatting with your toes relatively straightforward by all means do it not a problem with that at all my toes are very straightforward when i squat i probably have a little bit of antiversion hmm. the second thing it does is by turning your toes out slightly it elongates just a little bit your adductor magnus and adductor longus and these are very important uh muscles on the inside part of your thigh the adductor longus specifically because of this attachment size it can aid in hip extension a little bit, sort of like the hamstrings. So it allows a potentially greater squat power production because we're calling in a little bit more muscles to uh, aid in how you're creating the movement of hip extension. So -hmm. that's one possible benefit of uh, turning the toes out slightly is some people theorize that you can uh, create greater leverage uh, by turning on and uh, uh, bringing in a few different types of uh, muscles from the inner thigh. Interesting. Cool. Anyone who's looking to kind of increase their, their strength and squat, it's a sweet tip. Uh, let's, let's talk about, um, shoes or barefoot. So when you talk about all this, are you talking about you should be able to squat deep barefoot or is this with shoes on with squat with weightlifting shoes? Uh, talk about that a little bit. Great question. So again, it all comes back to movement first. Everyone should be able to squat deep without any shoes on, because if you don't, you're only ever squatting in shoes you're probably never feeling the ground. You're not recognizing the connection and the way your body is connected to the ground and in remaining in balance. So um, I always recommend people warm up without shoes on. Now, depending on the gym you're in, you may have to keep your socks on and, you know, get away from the person that's watching the gym floor. I was going to say, I've gotten, I've gotten in multiple <laughs> fights with the people at the gym telling me to put my shoes yeah, on. I'm, like, exactly. I'm squatting. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, when it comes time to pick up the barbell, Again, I want you to perform to your greatest potential. For most people, that's putting on some shoes. A lot of people have issues in foot stability and ankle mobility. And what, if you squat barefoot, those problems will come out and hinder your technique quality. So for most people, putting on a shoe, especially a shoe that has a little bit of a heel raise, will allow you to get into either even better positions and improve your foot stability and therefore your technique quality will be much better. Again, warm up without shoes, put on shoes when you squat. Now, are there people that can squat barefoot and still have great technique? Sure. There's definitely, you know, def, uh, a number of different examples on Instagram. Uh, Dennis Cornelius, I think is a power lifter that shows he squats completely barefoot uh, mm-hmm. in his training. 
he has great foot stability. His foot's not collapsing over at the bottom. He has sufficient ankle mobility for the type of technique he's using. But I think what happens is that a lot of people, they squat, they warm up barefoot and they try to squat barefoot, but they don't have the requisite amount of ankle mobility or foot stability. And they allow their feet to cave over. As soon as the feet cave over, the knees are going with it. All of a sudden you just broke down your squat. You're not going to be able to perform nearly to the point that you could is if you put on some shoes. Now, again, I don't want you to forget about your foot stability or forget about doing your ankle mobility work, but it comes time to, what do we have to work on? All right, now I'm trying to pick up the barbell. Let's now perform to our greatest potential. So if you're wanting to put some weight on, then you just, you might as well and put some shoes on just to make it a little more stable rather than trying to fight through that. Exactly. Most people would benefit performance wise from putting on a pair of shoes. Okay. Now, if you don't have weightlifting shoes, you're just wearing, you know, cross trainers or running shoes. If you're working out in those, for uh, most people, I would recommend wearing a, uh, if you don't have weightlifting shoes or want to spend money on them, get yeah. a cross training shoe that has a very, uh, hard sole, harder okay. sole. You like, you know, like the Chuck Taylor shoes, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, the converse, they've got a hard rubber, rubber sole, relatively hard rubber sole. Um, what we want to stay away from are running shoes and uh, basketball shoes running shoes and basketball shoes are notorious for having like the air pockets the gel pockets in the heel and or a lot of padding in the heel mm -hmm. what that does is it's going to act like you're squatting on a marshmallow it's going to force your body weight more towards your forefoot so it's going to push your body weight away from that tripod connection where ideally we want our body weight spread evenly across all three points of the foot. The reason basketball shoes and running shoes were built like that is because a lot of people when they run, they heel strike. Mm -hmm. Well, if you heel strike in a hard shoe, it just sends a lot of shock waves up the body. But if you put a pad there, whether that's an air bubble, a gel bubble, or, you know, just a big pad, like some running shoes, it allows you to sort of absorb that and dissipate that force where it's not as harmful on your body. That's not what we're trying to do when we squat. When we squat, we want to have a firm connection to the ground so our body can remain in balance. So if you squat in a shoe like that, it's not as ideal. If you only have running shoes or only have, you know, very um, like an air bubble type shoe, like a Nike Air Max, I'd recommend probably just going barefoot <laughs> for the time being until you can get a pair of shoes. Now, don't say money's an issue because uh, you know, Converse, Chuck Taylor's legit. You can find them on Amazon for like $12. <laughs> yeah. They're very cheap. They're not expensive shoes. Weightlifting shoes can be expensive. You know, yeah. your top of the line weightlifting shoes nowadays will run $200 plus. You can get some cheaper weightlifting shoes. There are a number of, of uh, companies out there that make shoes for under $100. Um, you can always find deals like 6pm.com has great deals. East Bay clearance section has good deals sometimes. Like there's a number of different websites that offer shoes, entry level shoes for weightlifting shoes. But having a healed weightlifting shoe for a lot of people can be very huge if your goal is performance and you need that ankle mobility. What about going barefoot and then putting a plate underneath your heel? Great question. So what that plate does is it's aiding in this ankle mobility. So yeah. it's, allow, it's raising your heel up a little bit, the motion of plantar flexion, which then yeah. allows you to let your knee go further forward over your toes at the very bottom of the squat. It doesn't give you more ankle mobility. It gives your body the perception that it has more ankle mobility. So um, it's like wearing a weightlifting shoe. That's what a weightlifting shoe was designed when they first started making them in the later 50s and 60s. Um, you know, they were playing around with a number of different styles, but that shoe that has that raised heel allowed weightlifters to get under a squat 
uh, a snatch or a, um, a clean much deeper with a more upright chest position. So it'll increase their, improve their proficiency in the lifting styles that they were doing. So that's why a lot of people use them in weightlifting. And then obviously they've carried over now to, you know, sometimes you see them in powerlifting. Sometimes you see them, people just, they, you know, love going to the gym and they bring weightlifting shoes because they squat and allows them to get in better positions. But mm -hmm. just like ankle mobility improvements, allow your knees to go further forward over your toes and keep a more upright chest position and squat deeper, wearing a pair of weightlifting shoes will give you that added enhancement yeah. without doing any ankle mobility work. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do ankle mobility work if you have restrictions, but it allows you even more help when you put mm -hmm. on a pair of shoes. Okay, makes sense. So, all right, I, is there anything before? I have one question left, but it's, it's a okay. question that I ask all the guests that come on. Before I do it, is there anything we've missed, anything that you want to, to explain about squatting that, you know, is, is going on in your mind that you got to make sure someone knows or anything that we missed? <laughs> the big things I would say, it is okay for your knees to go past your toes. That's a big myth. It depends yeah. on when and not if. It's okay to squat deep. Deep squats are not bad for your knees. Squatting with bad technique and with bad programming, maxing out every single day, that's bad for your knees. So those are the two big things that I try to get across to as many people as possible. Use good technique, use good programming, and you will keep your knees for the rest of your life. <laughs> Which is the goal, I think. Exactly. Uh, okay, so before we ask that last question, it, how do people find you on the internet or wherever else? Uh, where, where, can we, uh, where can we learn more from you? Yeah, so all across social media, Instagram, Squat University, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, I have my own podcast, Squat University podcast that I'm started or started recently. Uh, my blog, squatuniversity.com. Everything is free. I got so much free information out there. My blog website. Uh, I try to write a new blog once every like two weeks or so. But yeah, all across social media, Snapchat at Dr. Aaron Horshig, I think is what it is. Snapchat like too, eh? Look at you guys. Uh, every <laughs> once in a while, you know, I try to keep up with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll link up a bunch of uh, his stuff in the show notes too, so you can get there. It is, it's awesome uh, resource to learn how to squat and just to learn how to move. Uh, you also have a book, don't you? I do. Yes. I came out with my first book, The Squat Bible, a year and a half ago. Um, so yeah, that's basically all my information. Uh, if you wanted to find it all, it's all for free out there on the, uh, on the internet. <laughs> but if you all want to find it in a condensed 128 page version, tons of value content, all smashed into one. Uh, <laughs> Yep. It's available Take all that. across uh, amazon.com, uh, all across the world. So amazon.ca in uh, Canada. Perfect. Awesome. All right. So this podcast is usually for, you know, it's just health in general, right? So it's not, it's not all about training. It's not all about movement. It's health in general. So one of the questions that I always ask is uh, you yourself, you've been on a health journey, I'm sure. Um, and if you were to go back to the very beginning of your health journey and forget everything that you currently know about exercise, about nutrition, about absolutely everything health, what would be the one piece of advice you'd want to tell yourself or the one piece of advice you'd want to keep if you were sort of just starting out again in your health journey? I would probably say technique first and don't worry about the weight. It will come but hammer technique. Um, I mean, so often I think young athletes were so, so enamored with the big lifts that we see on Instagram and Facebook of these amazing elite athletes. And you're like, Oh, I got to do that. So you, you put more weight on and you, you make the lift and it doesn't look great, but you're like, Oh, I made it. I can put more weight on, you know? So you, you jump up more weight and 
you you maybe made it again, but it looked even a little bit worse that time. Yeah. You know, eventually what that does is when you lift more weight with subpar technique, it locks that movement into your brain. It strengthens and reinforces that movement pattern and it becomes harder and harder to break. The people that go the longest in weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, those are the main audience people I, I speak to. Um, you know, the people that go the longest and then ha stay there the longest, you know, the longevity, they have amazing technique and they have a desire to master what many would consider fundamental basic move building blocks of the sport. Mm -hmm. They can make the barbell move as perfect as possible. And their first rep with the barbell till their middle of their set warming up till their working set and their heaviest reps almost all look identical. It's because they've mastered the ability to have technique quality, the highest factor for them. So that's what yeah. I would say is technique above all master the basics. The rest will come. I love that. And it's something I wish I had learned in the beginning too. And, you know, even when I look at clients that I have and you take someone to the gym, that's never really been in before. They've got all the mobility in the world. You know, they can, they can get into a squat. No problem. They don't usually know how to do it necessarily or have the, um, you know, just know exactly the, the right movement, but they can get into it. Whereas if you have someone that's been training for years and years, but just the wrong way, it takes so long to be able to retrain the brain and to be able to get that mobility. So especially if you're a young athlete or someone who's going to be training for a long period of time, you want to get that movement first. It's going to make all the difference in the world. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Well, listen, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on here. We really appreciate uh, the information that you just shared. Uh, I think it's uh, super important, something that, that we all need to learn to do. Uh, and we all need to learn to do it properly. So appreciate you coming on here and all the information that you put out on social media. Uh, like I said in the beginning, something I've been following for a long time and it's helped me a ton in my training. So uh, thanks again for, for everything that you're doing. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show and for following All Squad University. It really means a lot to me. That's a wrap. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to check out our new ebook, So You Want to Eat Healthy. You can find it at the link healthsimpleinfo.com slash eat dash healthy or in the show notes below if you enjoyed this episode or have any comments or questions feel free to leave us a review or hit us up on instagram we'd love to hear your thoughts have a great day